0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Tuesday night. We got a real cool guest on the other side of our Zoom. We got a little, what, what movie is this? Molly Ringwald? What did I put Breakfast on? I saw We got, you, you must mess with the bull. You're going to get the horns. i us leave it at that.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And it is a Tuesday night. And as you were saying that, I actually almost corrected you I and thought it was rape. Wednesday. You, got the You rape. got the day right. It's I was rare. wrong this time. I got
0: the movie wrong, but I got the day right. <laughs>
1: and we have Jeanette on the other side of our Zoom, Ooh. who is a registered massage therapist. She's an athletic therapist um, and all rolled into a perinatal therapist that some of you may know uh, from social media and some of the knowledge that she drops on us daily, and uh, we wanted to get her on here to talk about some of the stuff she does because it's really cool, and you know, anyone who listens to us regularly knows that we're always talking about finding a niche, and Jeanette has become that person, the C-section recovery person. Ask Jeanette anything if you have had a C-section. There we go. How's that I
0: I almost feel weird saying it, but I've seen your abdomen so much.
1: So many times. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love that
0: it.
2: That is probably the best introduction I've ever had. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Well, for everyone listening, Jeanette, if they don't know you, uh, can you give a little bit of background about yourself? So how long you've been practicing as a therapist and sort of what brought you into this perinatal world? And for those who don't know what that actually means, because as we talked about off mic, some actually probably don't know what that means.
2: That's interesting because perinatal therapist isn't an actual, you know, registered Title at all. It's it's what I refer to myself as because, you know, when I say, oh, I'm an athletic therapist. I've been an athletic therapist for like twenty years, an RMT for let's say ten years. But people don't really know what an athletic therapist no is. And people me. make no right, yeah, people make assumptions as to what an RMT does. And so I was like, you know what, guys, instead of me describing what ATs and RMTs do, I'm just going to make up my title. I. I'm a perinatal therapist. So they're going to ask you, what does that mean? So then I get to introduce myself as somebody who works with the pregnant and postpartum population, and specifically the active pregnant population. And then after childbirth, help them rehabilitate back into physical activity and sport performance. And that's where my background as an athletic therapist comes in. And then you're probably going to ask, well, wh- 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 how did yeah, you I'm get Yeah, I'm going to take these? you back.
0: I'm going to take you back then. I want to know where athletic therapy, because if you're going back that far, there was only so many places where you could have done it. You went to either like Sheridan or you went to York or yeah. something along those lines.
2: Yeah. No, you got it, Mark. I went to Sheridan College. I graduated a long time ago. Once upon a time. In 2003. Is
1: 2003 a long time ago? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a long
0: time ago? How, how like, old are we? Is 2003 a long time ago? <laughs> okay. I'll just take it off track for two seconds. I heard on the radio someone referred to the 90s as way back. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But anyway.
1: <laughs> All right. So Jeanette graduated apparently a long time ago in 2003. <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly. What were we describing here? Oh yeah, athletic ATV. therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so athletic therapy is one of those things where, you're like, well, you know, you I guess you work with athletes, and I guess you know athletes need you know therapists to you know keep them healthy in their sport, and you know athletes get hurt playing their sports. I guess they need somebody to get them back to, to back together again. So I focused with the sport of rugby, women's rugby specifically, and that you know as a as an athletic therapist, like that was the dream. Like if you wanted to see the best injuries. You were the therapist for the rugby team.
1: Oh, my God. I, I just love that because that is exactly how ther- – I know that's how I was. Like When I was in university and I was in kinesiology and I was taking athletic injuries, I remember yeah. like this stuff didn't gross me out. Watching somebody's knee like hyperextend to the point where you know like everything is just getting snapped in there, I was like, yeah. cool, now let's see what we do. Like it's yeah. – I don't know. We I Marks looking at me like you sick. No, no, no. Sick. no, no, no. It's cool. <laughs> but it's that, cool. yeah, I, I totally understand. Rugby would be a sport that would that be like, sport, man, yeah. you're gonna see, you're gonna see some good shit. You're gonna see some and, and I totally, absolutely
2: did. And what, what didn't stop surprising me was just what the human body was
0: capable of.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, you can blow the ACL, you can have this tear off of that, you can be under whatever surgery, and and you can come back. Playing at the top of your game next season, like it was fascinating, and the drive that athletes had to rehabilitate. And so, being an athlete myself, uh, it it really helped me understand the psyche of the athlete. Now, fast forward a couple of couple more years. Uh, you know, my background was I played rugby. Uh, when I retired, I became a competitive runner. But like honestly, the hardest sport I ever played, the most badass athletes. I ever had a chance to work with were pregnant woman. I like agree. that 100%. is the ultimate sport. That is the ultimate sport. Right, Mark?
0: I totally, I totally agree with you. Right. I've seen it happen twice and I'm like, I don't, I I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You guys win hands down.
1: Our listeners have heard this story before, but to give Jeanette a little bit of background, um, Mark actually delivered our two children. So, I mean, he wasn't just like there while I was in labor like he was actively involved and caught those babies and watched the whole thing go down and so i mean for for a man (laughs) yeah for a man to be as involved as he was i mean I i mean obviously he could never understand what like physically i was going through but like he he did there was like you know some sort of like stronger connection where he was like holy shit like this is so intense what is happening right now he understood and when I did um my own form of like hypnobirthing for my first child um afterwards when I got to hear the stories from him about what was going on he's like man like I I can't believe it you were literally like somewhere else like you left your body you were were gone gone." you were gone that's incredible that's incredible
2: and oh man like the human body right it's just it's capable of so much it's capable of so much and you know working with it didn't matter if it was like the ultra of ultra marathon runners. And I, I had the privilege of working with some incredibly high level ultra marathon athletes in my. You know, athletic therapy career, but my God, there is no, there's no sport that lasts nine months (laughs) with no, with no halftime and no subs.
0: (laughs) It's so true. It's so true.
2: That's ridiculous. Who plays that sport? Oh, (laughs) just most like so many women in this world. And then, and then multiple times in their lifetimes, right? And, and, and this sport of pregnancy, it, it's a, it, it, it ends with a mandatory Season-ending injury. Yep. Vaginal or cesarean birth.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? Like, you know when you're going to play this game that you are going to need some serious rehabilitation afterwards.
0: Yep. Do, do a lot of women feel that way? Do a lot of women feel... Like you know, you've got friends that are not into therapy or not into understanding the body and everything else. Do a lot of women feel like, oh man, I th- I th- like this. I'm going to need therapy after this.
1: So I will let Jeanette answer this, but here's my take on it. No, the media has fucking distorted people's idea of what pregnancy, labor, and delivery actually and what do you are. Mean, what do you mean? I mean, I think people have this very glamorized I mean it's it's better now. Because and like Jeanette can sickomory? say so. Jeanette can vouch for the fact that women talk more about the, the recovery, for example. Okay. I think women expect to have... and I I talked to her about this when we had our our little chat the other day, mm-hmm. how there's women who expect to have a baby, whether vaginal or cesarean, and right. like just be up and walking around and, you know, all cute going to Starbucks with like their baby in their stroller as if like they're not still bleeding and their uterus isn't still contracting and everything doesn't hurt. Like you remember me the day after I had our first child. And what did I say to you? I said, I feel like I did the most intense workout I've ever done. Every muscle in my body hurts, you know, because in that moment, like I, I I didn't have a cesarean and we're gonna get to that. I, the recovery for that is like twenty times more intense than what I went through. Mm-hmm. And even that the next day I was like I was using my biceps. I'm using my quads. I was like every muscle in my body was just
0: so overworked. Don't you think then that should be part of the conversation with your doctor or your midwife or your whoever that, you know, therapy is something you're probably going to want to do after this.
1: It should be. And again, I'll, I'll let Jeanette talk about it. But I know that if for the longest time it was like, it because yes, labor, it's so weird because on one hand, um, pregnancy is a natural, thing. natural thing so ever. like you know we talk about it being yeah. natural but it, then the medical system kind of treats it as like a major trauma but I feel like there aren't so many like real conversations about it it's like you don't want to scare someone so like oh don't talk about all of these hor-, you know let's not tell everybody about like the mesh diaper you're gonna have to wear right after let's <laughs> not you know let's not do all of that let's not terrify people but then are we not preparing people but I think that people are talking a lot more about it right, now right, and right. Jeanette is one of the people that's keeping the conversation going like she's actually talking about like busting myths and what to actually expect after um, having a baby specifically a c-section because Mm -hmm. I don't think people sometimes recognize like that is major surgery you should not be expected just to be up and bouncing around and I hate you know I'm so glad this this term of your body bouncing back is going away because that's ridiculous like You have a human cut out of you and you're just supposed to go back to normal life? Come on. (laughs) Anyway, Jeanette, you tell me. (laughs) Well, you know,
2: when we talk about it like that, it sounds like, well, oh, yeah, well, that totally makes sense. You know, but for anybody who has never gone through or seen somebody that they are very close with go through pregnancy, if if the first pregnancy somebody experiences is their own, fear is absolutely a part of that equation. Mm-hmm. It, it can it can't not be right, and so the only thing you know for pregnancy and postpartum to be is whatever you consume on media, and that includes you know well intentioned advice and stories by friends and family. You know you you do scroll the Instagram or whatever, and if you're like me, I was like I'm so in denial that I'm even pregnant. I'm just gonna work twelve hours a day anyways. Like I'll deal with it when it happens. You slash, I'm an athlete. I, I I can bounce back from it. You know that that whole just overwhelmed to the point of ignoring it. And you know, I think one of the big issues today is that it's not that women don't want the help and I don't think it's that women don't know that they need the help. It's that they have they don't even know who to ask, mm-hmm. where to go. They might have asked their doctors and midwives and they may have received a very you know, dissatisfying answer.
1: After your six-week checkup, you can start doing some light exercise is pretty much what people get.
2: At the six-week six discharge, for sure, right? Okay, let's talk about contraception and you're clear to go. Mm-hmm. If there was even one sentence uttered by that healthcare professional that went along the lines of, you may want to get some rehab on this, that would at least plant a seed.
0: Right.
2: But in general, that doesn't even happen. So, you know, when I describe pregnancy and childbirth, I use a sports analogy because I think a lot of people get sports, but a lot of people don't get pregnancy and childbirth, right? And it's so different for each person. So, if people are like, "Oh, okay, it's like the ultra ultra marathons." Okay, it's going to be the biggest sports injury I'll ever sustain. Uh, it's a no-brainer that I'm going to need therapy and if I Then you can at least compare that to maybe a major injury you've had in the past, kind of conceptualize, right? I wasn't out for a week. I didn't go back to playing that sport for the rest of the season, Mm -hmm. or I needed to go to therapy three times a week, or I was on crutches for two weeks or in a cast for six weeks. Like it, it was, it's longer than just oh, I'm going to bounce back in a very finite and short amount of unreasonable time. Or
0: or that injury retired me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, Mark. (laughs) So, So interesting, Mark, that you're saying that because there's also on the flip side, exactly to what you're saying is what I refer to as the martyrdom of motherhood, right? So a very, very common example of like, oh, that injury retired me from the sport is that Oh yeah, of course I pee myself when I jump. I had a baby, mm-hmm. and it's almost like that. Uh, it's a complacency, um, you know, combined with the the martyrdom. It's like I don't like that this is happening, but that's what I did to sacrifice my body so you can live and <laughs> I could have you. And that's that might not be the right answer either, because you know, so often I work with athletes, and I'm like, hey, did you know that, like peeing yourself for the rest of your life. Like you can, you can do something about that, right? Yeah. Doesn't have to be that way. But a lot of people don't know that. And including myself, when I had my first daughter, like rude awakening, five months later, after a vaginal birth started running and emptied my bladder As I ran down my street and I was crying. I was like, I I can't believe this is happening. I did all the rehab I thought I needed to do.
1: And you see, you were already working as a therapist. So you had an idea that you needed some rehab. But even us, maybe, you know, if you're not educated in this whole perinatal realm, wouldn't know, like, like you said, where to get the rehab, what exactly you need, and what. how long you need to do it for because again you kind of feel like after six weeks or so
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I should just be like totally normal right like it we don't realize like our bodies take at least 18 months to actually go back to normal if you're if you're not like super active in rehab maybe a little bit sooner if you are but like it takes time and there's so many variables right like is
2: is your is your child sleeping through the night are, do you have a good support network? How is your mental health?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Is your child healthy? Right. There's so many things that we can't control, mm-hmm. and then we'll and, and and on top of that, you're supposed to recover. So you know, a big thing that a lot of women don't appreciate, and I certainly didn't either, till I started focusing on the perinatal population is that, especially for postpartum moms, physical recovery. Is highly, highly contingent on emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Hugely, hugely, and even if you compared it to any sports injury, you know, if I said, okay, you know, these two athletes—they both tore their ACLs in the same soccer game, exact, se- you know, exact same—and they're both getting therapy at the same time, one can't wait to get back to playing soccer next season, and the other one's like, "Whoa, is me, my life is over." It's very like you both know which who will have the better. Absolutely, we have
0: outcome. I'm gonna take this slightly off topic just because I, I I I'll forget. Yep. I feel like there's two parts. To what I'm gonna say. One is just a stupid comment, but just hearing you guys, <laughs> hearing you guys, talk hear about, hearing you guys talk about it makes me want to say it. I feel like because based on what you said, how people just like don't get pregnancy anymore, and women don't get it. I feel like you need that tribe, that 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 village of elders you know, to come together and really be a part of that whole process. It takes just, a village, but just hearing, you guys, one. just hearing you guys say that. And then my other part was kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit. If the information is coming from a male, is it, is it, is it taken differently than when it's coming from a female for you guys?
2: I'll answer the first question. <laughs> Because you know the whole thing about the support network. Holy cow! You know when when I when I work with my athletes who are you know in my programs, the first thing we talk about, like like when you're still pregnant, what's my first thing I need to do to recover, Jeanette? And I go, what's your support network like? I even have a I even have a workbook. How do I put together support network? What's a support network? What do I need support with? You know, and it seems like, oh, yeah, well, I need help with the baby. It's like, that's just one of many things, you know, and we can go on a major tangent here, but I just want to highlight in the history of medicine, hospitals are a very recent invention. Patients going to see doctors in their offices is a very recent concept in the history of mankind. A hundred years ago, and prior to that, doctors went to the the patient's homes. A hundred years ago, for sure, probably didn't matter what culture you're in. We lived in multi-generational households. Mm-hmm. As a pregnant person, you would have seen your aunt give birth, your mom give birth. You might have helped with a couple of births. You You've taken care of babies. Your baby would not be the first baby you would take care of. That just changes the whole psychology of the experience of pregnancy and the fear and the overwhelm related to postpartum recovery, the bounce back culture, false expectations, all those things. So Mark, even though you're like, I was going to go off tangent, I don't think that's off tangent at all. The support network is number one, and that is absolutely linked to a a mother's uh, mental health
1: absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I have heard a lot of people say, and I think it was even something that was probably going around on social media. It's like motherhood, especially in the early stages is like one of the loneliest times of your life because you are now responsible. I say, I was about to say solely responsible, you know, in a lot of situations, of course, there are two parents, not all of them, but even if there are two parents, typically just the society we live in one of those two parents is going back to work. Like when we had our first child, I had Mark home with me for four days. Four I days. had four days. And then I was by myself with this human that I'm expected to understand and know what to do with and keep alive. And I'm not sleeping. And like I said, I'm bleeding and hurting and you know all of these things and my hormones are crazy and everything makes me cry. And I'm like... What just happened? Like it was just the wildest kind of thing. And not that and it's not even like I don't have any support, you know. Like I have my mom, she's close by, I have a sister, I had Mark, but it's as you said, it's not the same. These are not a bunch of people living in my home. I had never taken care of a baby before. Like I said, when you watch TV, it's like the moms come home with this cute little baby that just like sleeps <sighs> all the time and everything's easy and <laughs> I'm like, what kind of spawn of Satan did I bring home? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> the house is clean. Food appears on the table. Oh, right? my God. Oh, my God. I, that, that actually took me a while to get over. I never thought mm-hmm. that I was like an obsessive kind of, I'm not an obsessive kind of person when it comes to, you know, everything being perfect and cleaned and whatever. But that was really stressful for me. I was like, I can't keep up with a damn thing. Like, dishes never mm-hmm. got done on time. I, I really only ate if Mark was home like otherwise i don't think i was feeding myself even because if i put if i put her down she's screaming and as a new mom who's never done this before i'm like is it normal like should i put her down should i let her scream like she's a newborn i should keep Oh, my. Thank God I discovered baby wearing. If someone had just told me about that a little bit sooner, <laughs> I might have gotten to eat a little bit more when she was first born. Anybody who hasn't had children yet, I'm not intending to scare you. See, like you don't want to like totally scare people, but like the but reality saying, but of you're things. you're
0: saying this with a smile. At least, I am saying it with a smile. Right?
1: <laughs> totally worth it.
2: And, man, it's real talk. I yeah. mean, I in my Instagram just today, I posted it or my TikTok. I was like, you know, I'm going to play you know, I want to be, I'm going to be two different therapists. I'm going to give you the same, what I think is the same message, but you tell me which one lights a fire under your ass. and makes you want to take action with your rehabilitation. So the first clip was me being a therapist saying, Hey, I I'm here to take care of any concerns you have whenever you want. So as soon as you're ready, I'm here for you. Okay. So that's therapist. Number one, which which sounds pretty great. Therapist number 2 goes, "You just had a C-section. This is a big deal. You have 6 months to make a really great impact on your on your self-scar massage and exercises. That'll change the outcome of the rest of your life in terms of pain and function. Let's get started. So, therapist number 2, for most people are like, you know, that's that's too harsh." That's scary. You're scaring patients. What do you mean? I have six months only, right? I don't want to hear that. Like I, that's. I, I don't need to. I don't need to do more. I'm already doing enough. I'm not sleeping. I'm keeping this baby alive. How dare you tell me what else I need to be doing, right? But I mean, I haven't looked at my TikTok comments yet yeah, because there's probably going to be some of those comments.
1: But the majority so far have been like, "I appreciate that real talk." Now, yeah. legit, Jeanette. What do I do? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, in any other scenario. So again, go back to comparing this to an athlete. Like I, I think the other thing is we always feel like we have to treat, um, new moms or pregnant women or whatever as like with kid gloves, right? Like they have gone through a lot and they are very hormonal. And yes, you know, they're dealing with a lot and they have a new baby. And of course they're prioritizing baby, but how are you going to take care of that baby if? you're a disaster, right? And so in any other scenario, if you're working with athletes or any other population, the athletes, the rest of the general population expects us, the therapist, to tell them what they need. They don't know. We create the treatment plans for a reason. So why would it be any different with somebody who's just had a C-section? And, you know, like any other surgery, this is your time frame. This is the rehab you need to make sure that the rest of your life is optimal. Not that you're not going to recover, like, every, you know, people recover with doing nothing, but do they recover optimally? Or do you yes. have pain at your incision site for the next five years? Or, you know, yes. you can never do certain abdominal exercises again, or you have low back pain constantly, or you know, all of these things, I'm sure you've heard all of it. So I don't think it's harsh telling somebody this is the time frame you have, because anybody who wants to take it into their own hands and figure out what to do, they're going to do it. One thing that uh, you, maybe
2: you're highlighting there is the importance of a therapist understanding the mental state of that client. I think as therapists, we do that anyway mm-hmm. for uh, any kind of injury. Um, and what I want to tell any therapist who's listening today or a healthcare practitioner is that a pregnant, uh, sorry, annually postpartum woman is no different. They're an athlete who has just sustained an injury. So it's not different. So so if, if you are feeling like, oh, man, I really have to treat this person with kid gloves, be bracket, because I don't really know how to treat this injury. Mm-hmm. Shit, man, most people don't know what's going on. If you've never gone through childbirth yourself, like, it's the same thing. If you've never had an ACL injury and you're treating an ACL or shoulder replacement, man, you can't possibly know. But that doesn't mean you can't help. So it comes down to having a a confidence of the fact that you are that person who does have an understanding of how that human body is capable of healing based on the severity of injury. In this case, it's, you know, in a cesarean birth, it's a major abdominal surgery, right? And in place of vaginal birth, you've got definitely pelvic floor trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And a lot of biomechanical changes post-pregnancy, right? With just how the body moves. But but therapists, if you have even the slightest bit of doubt, trust me, that new mom coming in to see you, she has all the doubt in the world.
1: Do not reaffirm that. You have three seconds exactly to establish trust. And I mean, we used to say this in a joking way, but it's absolutely like your patients are looking for you to tell them what to do right? Like they, they need somebody to be confident and to help. Like, you know, the first therapist that you, the example you gave and you said, I'm here for you for whatever you need. Yeah. That's talk, show them I'm here. And this is what we're going to do because this is what you need, right? Like, let's just, let's just do it. And I think a lot of people really do appreciate that confidence. That's how you become the person that a postpartum person would come to because they know, Jeanette knows what she's talking about. She's going to tell me what I need to do. I don't have to think. Like for me, for example, I was a personal trainer for like, I don't even know, six, seven years. And it's not that I don't know how to work out. Of course I do. But sometimes I also don't want to think. So I'm going to go to somebody that I really trust that does training and say, give me a good workout today because I don't want to
0: turn my brain on. You know what it is a lot of the time? And uh, what do I know? But this is my guess as to what it is, at least in the RMT world. Because as an athletic therapist, you're very used to dealing with injuries and you're very used to dealing with rehabilitation. Amanda, you were in fitness and you do also rehabilitation as part of your massage therapy. A lot of massage therapists mistake what they do as rehabilitation. It's not. A lot of the times an RMT is giving a massage therapy treatment but that is not rehabilitation. And they confuse the two a lot. It's
2: a part. It's a part of the rehabilitation plan. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But they they, they throw it all as like this is this is rehab. I'm like, no.
2: Okay. 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 No. Without the active care portion.
0: Is what you're saying. Or just even the mentality of the way we're going to go about doing things. Like how Amanda's suggesting, mm. like, there is a way to, to, to deal with the, the tissue problems that you're, you have now, the, the tissue injury. There is a way to do this and mm. it involves this type of protocol mm. versus the therapist that wants to treat you, but it's like, client, tell me what you need and I can give that mm. to you. Right. Versus mm. saying like exactly what you guys are saying. But that's the rehabilitation part, the prescription part that most people kind of miss. Because they they, they they mistake what they do for rehabilitation. That's the, I'll leave it at that. At least that's my opinion on a lot of stuff.
1: Again, this is coming from a guy that's also used to working with athletes, right? Like Mark, you started out your career working in serious rehabilitation and you've worked with athletes. So it is definitely a different mentality. We look a little, you guys look a little more towards protocols and understanding, as Jeanette said, this This is one of the biggest athletic injuries you'll sustain in your entire, or the biggest athletic injury you'll sustain in your entire life. And this is how we need to go about it. It can't be this very passive, like, yes, that's part of it. You know, sometimes we have to consider all the factors and, you know, Jeanette's already brought it up. You have to look at the emotional and mental health of your patient. So it's not going to be, this is all of the exercise we have to do right now. Some days it might be a little more gentle and just making sure that she's okay. But again, keeping her on track with you know, these are the things we got to do. But
0: sometimes I feel like therapists misinterpret the term patient-centered care and make mm. it completely about what a patient is asking the therapist to do. Versus do you know a I mean?
2: collaboration. Okay. Or or having an actual protocol based on science or like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Okay. No, I see what you're saying. You know, and Mark, I want to kind of tie it into something you, you commented on, you know, 10 minutes ago when you're like, does a does a woman during pregnancy or postpartum trust a male therapist or physician more or less compared Mm -hmm. to a female? And I can only speak for myself and the clients that I have had the pleasure of working with. At the end of the day, I think a, a client, a patient, a mom, an athlete, whatever you want, whoever you're, whatever you don't call them, wants to work with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Doesn't matter if you're man, woman, trans, black, brown, red, purple, tall, short. If you know what you're doing and you are respectful of me, let's do this, right? Let's do this. And for anybody who's listening, who's like, no, I disagree. I don't think men can possibly know anything about postpartum rehabilitation because they don't have the body parts. It's like,
1: listen, listen, we get there are male obstetricians out there. Can I tell you the best, the best OB, now I had midwives for both of my pregnancies, but the best I had to get referred to an OBGYN one time and the first referral was to a female doctor. And mm. um, I went into her office one day, I, I will spare the story because she has since passed away and it's not nice to speak ill of the dead, but she was horrible. And it was a bad, bad experience. And I'm pretty sure I left crying. And I asked for a different referral. So they referred me to a colleague in the, within the same office, um, a male doctor. And they even said to me, like, are you okay? I was like, I don't care. I just, I can't see her because she's a, not a nice person. So I went to this male doctor. And within, I don't know, like you said, three seconds of meeting him, I already trusted him. You know, just the way that he came into the room, the questions he was asking, he brought um, a female nurse into the room and just explained to me she's going to be here the whole time, blah, blah, blah. Like everything about it was really great. And I continued to see him for as long as I, I needed to see him. And I had no issue that he was a man. In fact, like I said, the woman that I went to. Wasn't good. But he showed me that he knew what he was talking about. And I trusted him completely. And it, it never really crossed my mind that like, shouldn't I be seeing a woman for this because it's a female issue. But no, he was great at his job and I continued to see him. But yes, for both of my babies, I had female midwives. But if there was a man, I don't even, I don't think I've ever met a male midwife. Do they exist? There, yeah, there are. There's gotta there be, many. but I've I've never met one. I've yeah, met many no, midwives. For sure,
2: there are. Huh? For sure, there are. But at the end of the day, again, like who's who knows what they're talking about? Who's confident? Who yep. makes me feel at ease? Yep. Who makes me feel like I'm heard? That's the person. And then know. side effect, who who takes physical care of me? Literally, if you if you make your athlete feel seen and heard, that's that's everything. Doesn't matter how good you are at your craft. I mean, if you're the best doctor in the world, if you don't have bedside manner.
1: Right. This is a good time to segue into something. Um, the first midwife I ever had, she was freaking phenomenal. She had no children. She had never experienced childbirth herself, I, but she was amazing at what she did. Two doulas that I know very, very well. Freaking incredible. They have no children. Jeanette has become this Like body of knowledge for anyone who's going through C-section recovery. Jeanette, have you ever had a C-section? Two vaginal births, no C-sections. What do you know? But she, Mm -hmm. her patients trust her and trust that she knows what to do because it's not necessary. So you know, male doctor, female doctor, um, parent, non-parent. If you have a practitioner who knows what the heck they are talking about. That's all you want. You want someone who's confident and you know that you can trust them and they're going to help you get
0: better. Do you have a, like a billion people referring to you? You must. <laughs> you, no, I'm serious. Like you must have like a lot of people referring to you, eh? Uh,
2: you know, there's
0: You can say yes, but You
2: know, way. you know what happens? I bring a lot of awareness. On the regular every day, there's a, like too many DMs and emails to follow up with.
1: I feel really special right? that you responded to my email then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you're so funny, right? So, so, but here's the thing too. So fact, in this world, every minute, there are five C-sections that happen.
1: Holy shit. Five
2: a minute. Every minute around the world. This is a stat. There's five C-sections every minute. That's every wild. Minute. Okay. So, So it's like, and then here's another stat. So this is a Canadian stat. One in three. Pregnancies will result in a C section.
1: I knew that. Or a cesarean birth. I knew okay, that. One, one and three.
2: Yeah. Now uh, just this past week I was developing a um a workshop, Caesarean birth preparation workshop. Essentially, it's a it's equivalent of a prenatal class that you would do at a hospital. So I took a, you know, this is this is me being a scientist, right? I run Instagram polls all the time. I'm like, I need a thousand people to answer this. Okay, this is this is I'm I'm running an experiment. Here's my question. My question is how many people. At their hospitals or, you know, their birthing centers, uh, where they offered a prenatal course that mentioned anything about cesarean birth. Like, not even a cesarean birth-specific prenatal course. Just if you took one, did it talk about C-birth, uh, or did you notice? You know 98% respondents said no. I'm not surprised. Like,
1: 98%. Like even even though one in three will result in a C-section, we don't talk about it. It's like, you... You know that there is, you know, there's a 33% chance you might have a C-section, but we don't talk about it. I didn't go to a prenatal class, but I do know that's never, you know, that's not what we're preparing for ever. No, even no. even during my pregnancies, of course, you know, we talked about the fact that of course it's it's always a possibility, but it's mm. not like we really talked about what that entailed and what I should maybe be prepared for and like nothing that never, ever, ever came up. I have to no. ask you guys
0: a question. Do doctors... Like you? Do doctors dislike you? Or do doctors just dismiss you?
2: Me as a perinatal therapist or like Jeanette Yee?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's go with the first we, one. We hate
1: that Jeanette. Let's go with the first one.
0: Is it Who's like? This is like? Is is like we don't even. We, is, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. I'm curious. Generally, do doctors like oh, forget this perinatal you no, know, no. stuff? Or no, who cares about this person? That type of thing. Just don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Or do doctors okay. like you have to go? You, this is something you have to do. I'm curious if doctors like what you do. If doctors hate what you do, or if they're just indifferent with what you do.
2: Listen, any doctor I've ever come into contact with is highly supportive of what I do by That's virtue awesome. of giving me the time of day. No one who doesn't appreciate or support what I do will ever give me the time of day as, awesome. a, as anybody, yeah. as a physician, as a client, as a whatever, right? So I would say 100%, therefore, <laughs> of a the doctor that, that I have spoken so awesome. to are like, yeah, there should be recovery. Now, now however, all jokes aside, when there are comments and come in on my TikTok and my Instagram, it's just like, my doctor never mentioned perinatal recovery. So I asked my doctor about scar massage and they laughed in my face and said it was a joke. Right. You know, I said, shouldn't I do something about my abs? It's floppy. They're like, don't worry. It comes back. Right? You know, a lot of that dismissive, um, yeah. attitude, uh, whether it is a, a, a kind of like a hierarchical kind yes, yes, of culture yes. of medicine. Yes. Uh, a, I'm going to go and say it misogynistic approach to perinatal
1: care a non patient centered approach to perinatal care can I, we also just that exists. just acknowledge the fact that i mean i don't know what it's like in the rest of the world because i only live here in ontario canada but i just find in general the medical community doctors specifically do not pay any minds to anything that isn't going to kill you yep like if you're not going to die it is it's not a concern. You know, I brought don't my care. my oldest child to a pediatrician once for, I can't even remember what the issue was, but I brought up the fact that, um, Jeanette, you know, the the W sit, which we okay. know like, ooh, you yeah. don't want your babies to do that. So I, of course, yeah. was always trying to discourage her from sitting like that, but she loved to do that. And I started to notice when she first started walking that one of her feet was um, like everting constantly. And I was like, this is very strange. So I brought up to the doctor, like, you know, should I have any concerns about her hips or her ankles or this or that? And he literally, like, didn't even look at me, like, didn't even look up from what he was doing. And he's like, it's fine. She'll be fine. Her muscles will develop fine. I was like, okay, because it's not going to kill her. She may be fine, but it's it's never an issue when it comes to like soft tissue or joints or what anything like that like so somebody's floppy belly or you know because they pee a little when they run or jump doctors don't tend to care because they just brush it off as well that happens after you have a baby and it's i'm putting in air quotes normal we know it doesn't have to be normal, but if it's not going
0: to kill you, why do they care? Okay, so do doctors love her? Do doctors hate her? Do they or this, just dismiss it?
1: I think that um, there's going to be certain doctors that probably large, are large like, this is, this is great because yeah. they don't want to deal with it. But great, I'm glad somebody's doing it because yeah. they probably have a lot of patients coming back with all of these typical complaints. Okay, it's good to know there are therapists that are dealing with it will they go out of their way to refer to her? I don't know. Probably a much smaller population would. But there definitely are.
2: There definitely are. Yep. You know, call it whatever you want. And I'm just gonna make a complete blanket statement. But you know, in old school medical training, I don't know how many minutes of a four-year medical program would even be, you know, given to something like postpartum recovery. I don't even think that might be uttered, right? Probably not. I'm not saying that it's a, no, no, complete devil's advocate it's not a surgeon or an obstetrician's job to rehabilitate their therapist no, whatsoever. It's not.
1: it's not, it's not. But if there were a little bit more of a community, like you had mentioned the hierarchy, if there yeah. was a little bit more of a community and RMTs um, get you know really fired up about this all the time, that if we were invited to the conversation then maybe there could just be a much better um, awareness with the general public. The education would be there. The referral systems and networks would be there. But again, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. In Ontario, you know, you don't you don't really get the time of day with your doctor, right? It's like you can talk about one issue, one thing. Okay, you're not going to die next. Okay,
2: so I can only speak to Ontario healthcare as well. So Amanda, what you're mentioning with uh, in terms of. Uh, you know, patients have a certain amount of time per appointment. You know, the big question is, well, is that the fault of the doctor or is that the fault of how our medical system is set up in terms of billing and what they imagine patient care should be like?
1: It's 100% slash, the system.
2: <laughs> right. Slash, slash, our system, our public healthcare system here in Canada is a reactive healthcare. Yep. It is not a preventative healthcare. No. Most healthcare systems in this world, I uh, maybe even all, I would most of them. Sorry, I shouldn't say all um, are reactive healthcare. Yep. right. You're, I, we don't. We don't want you to die, so we're going to do everything in our own control to not die. But so we're trying to increase your lifespan, but we don't give a shit about your health span. Your quality of life is not my concern. It's... Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not here to talk about your health span. You lived great. You can say thank you. You know, and I'm being very crass about this, uh, but that's, that's why, or that's the big thing. It's not a preventative healthcare system, even though research has shown over the decades that we would save trillion bazillion dollars if we put our money and our time into prevention. But that's not sexy. No one sees their doctor when they're not in pain, when they're not dying, and something's not wrong. They don't go see their doctors, and the
1: doctors won't make any money. So it kind of like feeds in on itself. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a an imperfect system to put it politely. Um, but there are some doctors, they do exist, that do put a little more care and that did get into their profession because they genuinely want to improve people's lives and want to help. And if you're Absolutely. lucky enough to know those doctors, fantastic. They do exist. Unfortunately, they're the exception and mm. not the rule. I, you know, may, maybe, and, and, but in my experience, the doctors I work with, like they're phenomenal.
2: They're That's super great. phenomenal. And, and we know, so here's the thing. So I always say to my clients, I go, okay, we know the public healthcare system is broken. So let's not waste another moment of our time complaining about it. Yep. Legit. That, that's a fact. Let's move on. Now, what can we do? Well, none of us are bureaucrats. So let's not sit around and talk about like what kind of change we're going to be making from within. Let's instead think outside the box. Well, what's what can we do? Oh, there's this thing called social media. You know what? How about we leverage that? Because it's free. It's Generally accessible to anybody who get who has a phone and Wi-Fi, which is well, literally like even nine-year-olds now. So <laughs> Le- legit. So why let's let's think outside of the box. What can healthcare be like instead? And listen, COVID nineteen took the entire world and put it on its head. And what it did for healthcare was it fast-forwarded patients' uh, desire and ability. To consume healthcare virtually. Yep. It did us a massive favor in that respect. Patients are now like, yeah, I'm gonna see my public health therapist virtually. Whereas before, you you couldn't even give it to them for free. They'd be like, that's that's ridiculous. What can a therapist possibly do for me on a screen? They have to touch me to make a difference. So that buy-in of self-care has been fast-forwarded by decades. And for this is what I keep this is what I'm trying to scream at the top of the roofs here it, it, to any therapist who will listen to any client who'll be like oh what was me it's like you know what do you know how much you can do to help yourself like self care is 24/7 healthcare is like whenever you can get an appointment in with your healthcare practitioner you are the best therapist for you let me show you how and it's really not that complicated. Forget everything you've seen on social media. It's really not co- that complicated. And I simplify it because it kind of isn't complicated, right? So, you know, Mark, you're saying like, oh, you know, we got a protocol. Of course, there's, you know, there's a hundred different ways to treat an ACL, get a rugby player back to playing. For sure, there's a hundred different ways. Your ways way is better than his way is better. You, we can all argue that. At the end of the day, follow some kind of plan and do it. You will always have a better outcome if you had a plan and you just followed it. Yep. Even if it was mediocre, most people don't have a good outcome because they either don't have a plan or they don't follow the plan.
1: Yep, absolutely. So I have to ask you then. You're going back to the fact that. You did have two vaginal births and yes, you know, the stats show that C-sections are happening literally all, like I've been counting this whole time. Like there's five more, (laughs) there's five more, there's five more. Um, Right. What prompted you, Jeanette, to decide I'm going to really like create a niche for myself here. I'm going to start helping with C-section recovery. Like, yes, I know you work with, you know, perinatal population in general, but a lot of the content I've seen from you is about C-section recovery, how did this come about? You know, after my vaginal births,
2: I had the the toughest time recovering physically because I didn't have a support network. Mm. I had such a tough time having a conventional textbook on both counts, uncomplicated, like minimal tearing vaginal births like they were boring, <laughs> right and i completely suffered in my recovery i speak english perfectly and i couldn't get the answers i wanted i am a healthcare practitioner and am very well connected with a therapist here in toronto i couldn't get the healthcare i needed i know how our healthcare system works and i still couldn't get the healthcare I felt I needed and I was like oh my god if it's this hard for me and I had a simple vaginal birth what the actual fuck is happening to people who've had major abdominal surgeries Mm -hmm. their their average outcome is me suffering right now like their best case possibility is is me right now like that is that is that's a that's a huge humanitarian issue. Does anybody see this? And I was appalled. So I'm not saying that vaginal birth moms have it easy. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> they don't. Definitely.
1: But was not, really, a, it's not a I walk like, in the
2: park. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm like, who the hell is advocating for the C-section moms? Where I did not even hear about anything C-section related. And not that I went to any... Par- you know prenatal class the first time around even the second time around you know I did the hypno birthing and maybe I missed it but I was like it never even occurred to me that a cesarean was a possibility yeah it didn't even occur to me because in my head it wasn't going to happen How, like
1: and and that and that is not an uncommon way for a pregnant person to be thinking yeah well i i want to give you some and just for people listening who maybe don't have a ton of experience either with working with um perinatal population or having had people close to you who've had children or whatever, but just some anecdotal stuff, just examples of things that I've seen in the real world when it comes yeah. to C-sections, because when okay. Jeanette's talking, I'm like, it's it actually brings up a little bit of, I don't know if anger is the right word, but it's its frustration because what you're saying is absolutely true that yeah. who is advocating for these people and wh- why don't we learn about it a little bit more when we're pregnant? Because it, it could happen and it does happen one in three times. So some of the things I've seen, so one uh, very close friend of mine uh, went into, I, I don't exactly recall if she went into labor or whatever, but anyway, she ended up having an induction and okay. 14 hours of non-progressive labor, like 14 hours of just pain and exhaustion only to get to a point where they said, you got to have a C-section now. And do you think in any of those 14 hours, she was expecting that? No, like it, it came after 14 hours. You can imagine how tired and drained and already frustrated and whatever, like her emotional state. I always think about that. I can't imagine being in that position and then the doctor saying, we have to do a C-section now. Mm -hmm. Like, and that happens. Or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I, I have a client who just recently, you know, she was, high risk to begin with a whole bunch of issues and placenta previa and you know all of, basically just had a really really rough pregnancy and then was told we're going to have to do a C-section early right um i've known another person who you know baby's getting really big i'm sure you've heard the story uh we need to induce and we all know you induce a woman before her body's ready likelihood of a C-section increases dramatically because body wasn't ready for that. So they go through the induction and then end up with a C-section anyway. In all of these cases, there was no preparation, right? It was just right. like suddenly you get this news. And in that moment from, you know, the personal stories of them telling me afterwards, it was just this feeling of like defeat, It was dread. Like it wasn't like, okay, this is, there was, I don't even know what, what, what word I'm looking for, but it was just defeat. And I feel like if there was a little bit more education and maybe some preparation and maybe some understanding about it, it wouldn't feel like such a failure, you know, like the one birth that I attended as a doula, I just remember her continuously saying to me, I just don't want to have a C-section. I just don't want to have a C-section. Oh my gosh. And You know, like in that moment, I'm trying to like, you know, keep her, keep her focused on what she's doing, but it was like, she was so scared about it. She kept saying, I just don't want to have a C-section. And I I think all of that is just putting unnecessary stress on an already pretty stressful situation. Like your body's going through a lot in that moment. Your, your mental, emotional health, everything is going through a lot. And then you're told, okay, now we're going to cut you open. Like, especially the ones with when it's an emergency. Okay, now we're going to cut you open. Nope, no preparation. We're just going to cut you open. In, in, in
2: those emergency scenarios, but even if it's a planned cesarean and vaginal birth as well, uh, but certainly for cesareans, it is so important as soon as possible to hold space for that woman to allow her to assess her feelings. Go through the emotions you need. Yeah. Go through that shame. Acknowledge it, that anger, that guilt, that fear, the what ifs that I couldn't in order to move through it and come out the other side because that's where healing happens. And it can't happen before the emotional journey takes place. And you know, I don't use the word birth trauma all the time because I think people have a misunderstanding as to what the word trauma actually means when it comes to psychology. All trauma means is it's a perceived situation where it's not ideal to you. Yep. Right? You and I, Amanda, could go through the exact same scenario where I can be completely PTSD for the rest of my life, and for you, might have been the most beautiful birth in the world. Yep. It's how we perceive it. So- you know, to any moms out there who hasn't taken that time to go through and, and you know, relive and tell out loud the story of your child's birth, do it. And if in telling your child's story, you have an emotional reaction other than joy or happiness, I invite you to look a little bit more into that and ask yourself, is there something in there I haven't really worked through yet? Is that maybe where my chronic pain during sex is coming from? Pain in my lower back, pain in my incision, still peeing myself a little bit. You know, it's it's so interesting what happens when we hold on to birth trauma in terms
1: of a physical therapy sense. It's all so intertwined. Absolutely. Actually, this is a good time. Maybe you can give out to people your um, social media where people can follow you and get some information from you, but also to let us know like, what kind of information- What are we going to see? Yeah. What what are you giving to the world for free, by the way? Guys, like she said, (laughs) take advantage of this. I I told her when we had a call the other day, I said, I've already given out your Instagram to two of my patients who have had C-sections because I'm like- I may not have all the answers for you, um, but guess what? I know someone who has some answers. Here you go. (laughs) Follow her. (laughs) Well, my TikTok and
2: Instagram handles are both Ask Jeanette. And I chose that handle because the question's always like, well, who the hell do I ask my questions to? Like, who do I ask? I don't know who the heck to ask. I have all these questions. Well, you can
1: ask Jeanette. Ask Jeanette.
2: (laughs) So on, on Instagram, both Instagram and TikTok, you know, I do have a lot of free resources linked. It starts from the beginning of the journey from like cesarean birth prep. And of course for like, for all pregnant people, it's not just cesarean birth, a lot of cesarean birth resources, but you know, top 10 things your doctor wants you to know about your cesarean. Mm. It's a little tongue in cheek because doctors don't have a top 10 list that they give their patients. (laughs) So it's the, it's the list I want. I wished every hospital gave their patient um things like you know the top three scar massage principles because people learn about oh my god okay so Jeanette says I should do a scar massage and you know the thing is you can't just start going to town like it's a it's a skill uh and it's not that hard to do but you still want to do it safely so there's three safety principles and you know When you get out to the point where you want to start running again, there's the, you know, the checklist of all the exercises you want to be able to do before you get back into
1: running. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. a couple other ones out there, too. There's a few more. There's a few more. So Mark is, um, Mark is the king of. Giving stuff away for free, which I've always loved about him. He, you know, he'll, he'll have free education days. We just did a free business summit the other day with our, our new company, Massage Therapy Media, that I, I talked to you about, Jeanette. We yes. had a free business yes. summit where we got business coaches from Absolutely. Canada and the US to share some of their expertise with anyone who wanted to join in. Um, Mark loves giving stuff away for free, right? You know, building community, show, showcasing value, you know, helping people to maybe connect with other people. Networking is a big thing for him. What inspired you? This is a lot of work for you. I mean, social media is like a full-time job. And what inspired you to start giving all these resources away for free and trying to just help the global community through your TikTok and your Instagram? Well, I'm sure you both noticed that I love to talk.
2: (laughs) So I was like, oh, shoot, a platform. I just talk and people are going to listen. This is great. (laughs) But like all jokes aside, you know, educating people, education period is my passion. I've always loved to teach. And what more of a glorious and humbling way for me to serve mankind by saying, I am going to raise those very people who raised me, the moms, the moms in this world, you know, like it does take a village. And especially when we're fractured by, you know, in the past two years by the pandemic, Uh, access to um, resources, access to facilities, uh, you know, financial difficulties with access. Uh, In my opinion, full recovery postpartum is a right. It's not a privilege. Mm -hmm. It's a freaking right. And I always say it's not difficult. Like if people just knew, like, if you just knew three things... Everybody just get on my Instagram, watch three videos. You're going to learn something new. And if you just did that one thing, you're going to be that much better. It's not that challenging. And for anyone who's consumed any of my social media, I say the same damn thing all the time. I say just different <laughs> ways with different characters and stuff like that. But it's the same because it's not, it's not
1: it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be. She is pretty entertaining, guys. You should just watch. Even if you didn't have a section, she's pretty <laughs> I'm, entertaining. I'm
0: excited that you're you're joining us at the Canadian Massage Conference this year. I'm
1: Oh, are we like oh, are we I'm excited publicly too. announcing this? I'm
0: really excited. I'm not like cuz I'm sitting here listening to everything you guys are saying and I'm like you you the way you think of things is you come from it, you come from an angle that I would have never seen before. Yeah. It it fascinates the hell out of me. Like, I like to think like, I can see things from a bunch of different angles, but a lot of stuff that you were talking about, I'm like, God damn it, I would have never saw that one coming. Like, I would have never seen it from that angle at all. And I I totally fucking dig that. I can listen to you all day long.
1: Yep. (laughs) I got one fan. I love it. Thank you, You got one fan. I think you have more than one. But yes, I mean, since we're on the topic, um, if For everybody listening, um Jeanette and I have a mutual friend and he mentioned to Mark and I, you know, I have somebody that if you're still looking for presenters for the Canadian Massage Conference, because he agreed to present with us, it's like, I have somebody you guys might be interested in. So he sends over, Jeanette, your Instagram. And right away, Mark's like, I know her. I follow her. Yes, I know who that is. So he goes to me, I want you to call. As
0: soon as, as, soon as I said your name. I'm yeah, okay.
1: he's like he goes to me, I, to I want you to reach out to her, get her, her on the podcast, do this. And I, <laughs> so I set up a call with Jeanette and I was like, all right, so just FYI, I'm going to talk to you about a lot of things. I want you to present at this conference. I want to have know, you on the right? podcast. I'm like, basically, like, can you just come and like teach the world everything you know? Because I do love that. I, I love exactly what you just said. Like, Recovery is a right. Like you could it's have right. decided, I have a lot of knowledge in this. I have a lot of expertise and you could have decided that, you know, I'll give away little teasers, but you, you really want to learn stuff. Well, you have to book an appointment with me. And I love the fact that you're doing, because like I said, I've always really loved that about Mark. I used to say to him like, what inspires you to just like give shit? Like he'll he'll teach a course for free. I'm like, why? Like what? what is it about this? And he's like, I don't know. I feel like this is something that, I know a lot about and it could help people and you know, I don't mind and I'll do it. And I love mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have this platform and you've got like what, 20,000 followers or something ridiculous. And you're just educating all of them and you're not asking for anything. You're just giving people who have had babies the right to proper recovery with stuff that is simple. They just don't know how to find it. So if you do want to know, just ask Jeanette. She's She's got the info.
2: <laughs> just ask Jeanette. You know, knowledge shouldn't be hoarded. That's just that's just my opinion. Knowledge should not be hoarded. The more the more you share what you know with the world, it comes back tenfold. Yep. It really does. I'm sure your
1: practice is busy as hell because you are giving people a reason to like you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but also, like you know, unfortunately or fortunately, there's five C sections a minute. Like yeah. truly, why hoard that? We people need help yeah they people do people don't need to hoard there there is not a shortage of women who need help that's just the c sections there's a, there's a couple of women too that have vaginal births
1: oh yeah absolutely
2: right they all need help
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Jeanette. I know I was telling Mark, I'm like, Jeanette has a very strict bedtime routine. And the time that we have (laughs) scheduled the podcast, we are cutting into her bedtime. So I very much appreciate you allowing us to cut into your bedtime. Yes, thank you very much. You are so
2: funny. Everybody's going to think I'm like so, you know, disciplined. And they'll be just so sad to hear that my HRV is like terrible. My recovery sucks.
1: (laughs) I mean, we work all the time, so I sometimes have to, like, remind both of us. Like, other people have lives and don't want to be working until 10 p.m., but... We do that. Amazing. Well, you, you when you when you love what you do, it's not work, right? It's true. Look at me. I'm sitting here yeah. sipping on wine, talking to you. Like this is really not a bad Tuesday night. I'm not. It's not a bad.
0: <laughs> this
2: is a very good Tuesday night for me, folks. Hashtag my this very,
0: very
1: good. good. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> right on. This was fun. Thanks for hanging out.
2: Thank you, thank you, friends, for having me. Really
0: appreciate it. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone purse.